you want to give love to the city, that's a fact. But you're going to need help if you want to make an impact. Well endowed, you want to be well endowed with the Edmonton community. Things really happen when you find that you're well endowed. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Well Endowed Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Bonkink. And I'm Andrew Paul. This podcast is brought to you by Edmonton Community Foundation, and we are a proud affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Edmonton is full of generous donors who've created endowment funds at ECF. These funds generate money to support charities in Edmonton and beyond. On this podcast, we share stories about how these funds help strengthen our community, because it's good to be well endowed. On this episode, we're talking about the latest Vital Topic, which features small businesses in Edmonton. Vital Topics are a publication we do throughout the year in partnership with the Edmonton Social Planning Council. They highlight statistical information about issues that are important to Edmonton. And if you've spent much time in our city, you know that small businesses are an important part of our community's fabric. In 2017, small businesses employed about 36% of all of Alberta's private sector employment and generated 28% of Alberta's GDP. In 2020, 94.4% of businesses in Edmonton were small businesses, and they spanned across sectors including science, technical services, retail, healthcare, and many more. Yeah, it's one of those forever lists that we won't bore you with here. We appreciate your time, listeners. What we're getting at is that small businesses have a strong impact, especially those with a mission for broader public benefit, as we're about to hear. Our correspondent, Emily Rendell-Watson, spoke with Jeffrey Sundquist, Anka Chan, and Agavita Plita to find out more about how small businesses are coping during the pandemic and what inspires entrepreneurs to start a business of their own. In 2020, 94.4% of businesses in Edmonton were small businesses. Simply put, that means they had between 1 and 49 employees. With so many small businesses based here, it's appropriate that our latest vital signs topic is focused on this segment, especially as many local entrepreneurs and owners have faced immense challenges to make it through the COVID-19 pandemic. There have also been success stories, businesses that pivoted and new ones that launched despite the uncertainties. But before we get to that, I spoke to the CEO of the Edmonton Chamber of Commerce, Jeffrey Sunquist. He's been in his new role since June and weighed in on where the small business community is at. The small business community is, is cautiously optimistic. Things are back up and running. We're starting to get more people into the downtown core and to the various business centers and business improvement areas across the city. You know, even with large employers, many of them uh, having employees with a flexible work week. We need more businesses to bring their employees back into these communities to support local businesses, whether it's a restaurant or a shoe repair. It, it is important that you know we do get back to whatever we believe to be normal, bring that energy back onto the streets of uh, all parts of the city. And what do you think that recovery will look like? What do you think is the best path to recovery and, and how long will that take? I think certainty and, and short answer is I don't know how long the recovery will take. You know, we, we've been a strong advocate for things like vaccination passports, which would hopefully provide consumers and businesses the confidence to get back to uh, the economy back going. Businesses have been 
dramatically impacted in different ways. And we've had to think a little bit differently about business. And, and the pandemic has actually caused businesses to look differently at their business model and to have to pivot and you know create value for their customers in, in slightly different ways. The pandemic is still ongoing at this point. If you think about Edmonton a year from now, where do you hope business and the business landscape is at that point? I think that, well, I would certainly hope that, you know, as many businesses survive as possible. And, and to be clear, there are going to be companies that are simply not going to make it through this pandemic. But when we do recover from the pandemic and businesses are able to operate at reasonably full capacity, I'm hopeful that economic recovery is going to be there and that we can get back to some semblance of normalcy. That was Jeffrey Sunquist, the CEO of the Edmonton Chamber of Commerce. So as promised, I want to tell you about some of the incredible small businesses we have based right here in Edmonton. From startups and scale-ups to social enterprises and women-owned businesses, there is no shortage of types of small business here. Anka Chan and her co-founder Nicole Sanchez are two recent University of Alberta graduates. They developed the concept for Ruth, a company creating eco-friendly menstrual pads while students, and officially launched earlier this year. They're also using their business to raise awareness about the barriers women face in accessing menstrual products. Here's Anka. So we actually started out as an Enactus project, and Enactus is an organization that has chapters in universities all over the world where they are trying to support social entrepreneurship. And so the project that Nicole and I met during was called Hempact, and at the time Hempact was really focused on creating a hemp-based pad, and the idea was to solve the problem of hemp waste in Alberta. And so, yeah, that's how the idea all started. But as we were working in the project, we realized that the real problem that we were trying to target was actually menstrual waste. And there was a lot of ways to target the issue of menstrual waste by using materials that aren't just hemp related. So that's what led us to rebrand and relaunch as Ruth in January of this year. We were inspired to choose the name Ruth by the late Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who fought for social justice and gender equality. And those are some of the things that we're really passionate about at Ruth. How are Ruth pads different from the pads that you might find at the drugstore? The main differentiator between our pads and the pads that you currently find on store shelves is that Ruth pads are conveniently disposable, but they're also sustainable. They're made of 93% bio-based materials. And what makes them unique is that they use canaf fiber, which is this really fast-growing renewable plant that improves soil health for farmers. So it's all around a great crop to grow. It is also able to provide that absorbent property that you need in menstrual pads. And so the way that we came about this was actually by talking to different manufacturers and realizing that there was an opportunity here in using that sustainable material. And this is after kind of years of us experimenting in the lab ourselves. Instead of us thinking like we had to do everything from scratch and design every element of the pad, we decided to actually shift gears by talking to the manufacturers who are actually already making pads and then figuring out how we can continue to improve them. Have you always wanted to be an entrepreneur? Actually, not at all. <laughs> I think I describe myself as a pretty risk averse person. So entrepreneurship was something that felt very far out of my comfort zone when I first started getting involved. But 
when I think about what I'm doing at Ruth, I see entrepreneurship just as a vehicle for us to work towards our mission of making sustainability easy. And it means that doing things outside of my comfort zone in order to achieve that mission is just something that's part of the journey. Okay, so you have started your business during the pandemic and really worked on growing it as the pandemic has continued alongside that. How has that impacted how you've grown or or maybe some of the choices you've made at the beginning? Yeah, so starting a business during the pandemic was something that actually we were able to see kind of the silver lining to quarantine because it forced us to really focus in on what we were trying to do at Ruth and it gave us a lot more time and freedom. I was in school for the first part of this year from January to April and so being able to work from home and do school from home at the same time gave me a lot more freedom to actually be spending time building the business instead of spending time commuting between home and campus and I would also say that it taught myself and the rest of our team how to work well together while doing it remotely. You're forced to create your own kind of structure when you work from home. And I think that quarantine and COVID definitely forced that upon us. It wasn't something that I felt like I had the skill sets for previously. So earlier this year, you raised close to $15,000 through Kickstarter when I think your initial goal was only 7000 Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And so you also had some other success in terms of being part of the 2021 Next 36 cohort and the founders program with the Western Canada Founder Institute, which I believe is the largest pre-seed startup accelerator in the world. And you've also been able to access some other support through Alberta Innovates and other organizations. What's it been like working to attract investors and funding to grow your business, especially so early on and, and that learning curve? Yeah, I mean, all the funding that we've raised so far has been equity-free financing. So we actually haven't needed to give up any equity in exchange for funding so far. And with the Founder Institute, that was the amazing accelerator program that Nicole, my co-founder, had the opportunity to go through. Throughout our experience, one resounding theme has been that, like, building your network is really important because a lot of the way that we've been able to grow and access things like this type of funding is these opportunities shared to us from our network. So we'll have mentors that share these with us or friends within the startup community forwarding the grant or pitch competition opportunities. So I think those have been really great. And one thing that I'd recommend to any young entrepreneur is to look into different financing opportunities from Futurepreneur and BDC, because we're really grateful to have received a $60,000 loan from them too that have supported our marketing and inventory. So there are great resources out there and having a network that can introduce those to you is one of the ways that uh, we've seen ourselves really benefit. What has maybe surprised you about owning a small business as you delve into this (laughs) full-time? I think one of the biggest surprises is that the problems that we encounter day-to-day can sometimes seem so large and insurmountable to us, but I've been really appreciative of how our team is able to iterate and solve those problems so quickly so that it seems like every week we have a different type of problem to solve when it comes to the business. But it's kind of exciting because it means that we're 
problem solving so quickly too, that it means that we're just moving on from one thing to the next thing. So I think that's one thing that's surprising is that like things have a way of working themselves out. Not that it means that we're not doing anything, but having perseverance and healthy doses of optimism um, is actually has always panned out. Why is it important for you to keep the company based in Edmonton and, and based in Alberta? So Edmonton is kind of where we first started and established our community initially. So I think that we have a very strong network in Edmonton. Right now, for example, our office is provided to us through the University Health Accelerator Program. So we have this great downtown location where we're also able to do things in the lab as we prototype and iterate new things. So that physical space has been an awesome resource for us. We're also supported by Venture Mentoring Services, where we have some really great mentors that come from the U of A. Yes, lots of good reasons. The startup and small business community here is incredible for a whole bunch of reasons. Where are you at currently with Ruth? What are you working on right now? And what's next as you look towards the latter half of 2021? So we are in the middle of doing all of our fulfillment for the Kickstarter orders. And so we're communicating with the manufacturers, making sure that things are going to arrive on time and starting to prospect out what the actual delivery process is going to look like to all of our Kickstarter backers. And we're now on Indiegogo right now to extend the campaign so people can still place their pre-orders through bit.ly slash Ruth. Right after that, after we fulfill all those Kickstarter orders, we'll be launching our online store so people can officially start ordering Ruth pads for their menstrual cycles. So that's something we're really excited about. We're also finishing or starting a pilot project with the University of Alberta where we're providing our pads on campus to students for free. And so we are excited to see what the student response is to Ruth pads on campus and we're hoping that uh, with some positive feedback, we'll be able to continue that pilot program, not just at the U of A, but also at other schools across Canada. Do you have any advice for aspiring small business owners or people who are maybe thinking about starting a business but haven't taken that leap? So far, the experience that we've had at Ruth has been really amazing. And I think that if anyone is thinking about starting a business and they've really thought it through, then I think that it makes sense to just do it while you can, especially if you're young and don't have dependents or anything like that, that you can just go for it, take the leap, because even if you fail, there's lots that you will learn along the way. That was Anka Chan, co-founder of Ruth. Next up, Ega Vida Plita is going to tell us about Good Goods Co. She runs the online platform that curates local goods with her co-founder, Nina Karpoff. Both women own other businesses as well. Ega runs Herbology, which offers single-origin spices and herbs, and Nina is a photographer and runs Buck Up Mix as well. Good Goods Co., which pivoted during the pandemic, quickly grew to more than 100 vendors, delivering in Edmonton and across Alberta on a weekly basis. Here's Ega to tell us more. Good Goods focuses mainly on an online platform. Uh, so essentially, 
patrons can go online and shop from their local small business community that we've curated. And then we have a cutoff every Tuesday at 7 p.m. for orders because we do have fresh produce or other fresh items that have to come in that week. So that's kind of the intention around having a cutoff. And then every Friday we have local delivery, but we also deliver across Alberta. So from that perspective, for an Alberta deliveries, we don't do perishables for obvious reasons. Yeah, that's kind of essentially what the platform is based on. What kinds of things do you sell? Most of our items are food oriented and they're produced by local small businesses, Uh, but we do also carry and curate non-food items. So we have a lot of niche, high quality food, beverage, home and self-care items. And we have a strong focus on their sustainability, ethical production and community impact. So a lot of the goods that we carry provide more to the community than just, I guess, their product. They do a lot more in terms of community impact. They really focus on the type of production that they're doing, uh, whether it's you know ethically produced or there's sustainability uh, incorporated into it. And sustainability for us doesn't necessarily mean zero waste. It could be a lot of other things like packaging, of course, but you can do things where sustainability looks at long-term businesses, you know, being around. That's that's a form of sustainability for us too. And that's kind of why we really thought it was super important to create and curate this online e-commerce platform to retain the sustainability of small businesses in our community. Well, Good Goods Co. didn't start in the way that you're operating it today. You had to pivot because of the pandemic. What were you doing initially and what happened? Yeah, so Good Goods Co. started in November 2019 as a passion project. And we initially started with wanting to be a refill market oriented around food. We really wanted to showcase the conversation around reducing your waste. And it doesn't have to be At the time, we weren't thinking zero waste. We just really wanted an open, collaborative environment for vendors and patrons alike to remove barriers and and kind of cultivate the conversation around what that looks like for the food industry in um, Edmonton at the time. And so we had our first market, the Ritchie Market on the second floor. The uptake was fantastic. And a lot of the vendors after the fact told us that it was probably one of the best markets they've done in terms of revenue and in terms of support from the community, which really spoke a lot to me from that perspective and that, you know, conversation around not only small businesses, but what does sustainability look like and and how do you make it a, a palatable conversation was really important. And so we wanted to do a second market in March 2020. And literally, I think days before the city of Edmonton shut down, we pulled from it. We said, okay, I don't know if, you know, refilling food is the best thing to do right now with people's own containers. That was quite an impact. So that to me was a very eye-opening experience as to how quickly something can change for a small business literally overnight. And a lot of their revenue comes from these events. And I think that that's something we have definitely heard in the news. And um, I mean, I'm sure other small business owners have spoken about it out loud, you know, how the community faced a lot of challenges when that happened. So our pivot at that time was to quickly change it into something that could be accessible 
you know, fulfillment and delivery logistics would have been absorbed by us because that was also something that would have been really expensive for small businesses to now have to, you know, dilute their potential and assume multiple roles all of a sudden. You're not just creating your your food or your body product. You now have to figure out, okay, navigate warehousing and fulfillment, navigate delivery at a time when, you know, you're competing against much larger enterprises for delivery. So we really wanted to navigate those friction points for businesses in our community. So we created this platform online that empowered vendors to hopefully focus on reaching their highest potential through product development and business development and where we would assume the role of you know, more of the, I guess you could, not the say, not the boring stuff, but assume the role of like warehousing and fulfillment and delivery and getting them out to the community. One thing that the Vital Signs report talks about is how women are underrepresented among business owners. And the report says that the income of female business owners is about 70% of their male counterparts. They're also more likely to be discouraged from things like borrowing, What has your experience been around that piece? Have you found it challenging being part of a female-led business? Yeah, I I definitely found it challenging with herbology. And I was dealing with various government bodies in various countries with also cultural differences too. So from that perspective, there were challenges or conflicts that I did have to work through to make sure, you know, you, you build the right repertoire with certain individuals, um, the right trust with certain business partners or farming partners to make sure that people felt like they were in a safe, secure space with you as a female. I definitely also felt it with good goods. We luckily haven't had to do any borrowing yet. We've been quite well for being self-funded. We are working on a few pitch competitions and things like that. So we'll see how that goes from a a female-oriented perspective. I think the biggest thing that I've noticed is mostly when I was pregnant actually and having business meetings or discussions with certain people having a hesitancy around potentially where is this business going uh, with one of the co-founders you know not being pregnant um, to be honest and it's an interesting shift because I've never felt that really before as clearly as I did during that time and I'm still quite involved right now uh, with good goods But I think there was this notion of what's going to happen to the company or not realizing, you know, that we have another business partner or we have staff or kind of focusing, changing people's perspective on what it means to be a female owned business, what it means to be a small business owner. And it doesn't mean that you do all the work. I think that was a a big piece we had to educate people on. Sure, I might take time off, but you will easily be transitioned to one of the people that, you know, we have an operations lead. So kind of striking that balance in people's minds that you don't always have to work with necessarily the founder of the business to feel like you're in a safe, secure place that we will continue on. Yeah, we're really focusing our energy on on showing how women can be very successful business owners, can make their own life choices and still run businesses and finding the right places to look for financing. There's a lot of things that are focused around women-led businesses, which is fantastic, but I would definitely like to approach other places that don't necessarily focus on that and approve us for financing. How do you plan to continue to grow and, and what's next for Good Goods Co.? Where we are and where we want to go 
it's a little bit different. I mean, we, we really want to take good goods to the next level and create a, a very strong platform that can help our community go beyond the pandemic. We don't necessarily want to be associated with a platform that just started during COVID. We started before COVID with a, a very strong intention, and we really want to integrate directly into our small business communities kind of daily operations. We really want to become the place where small businesses can focus on product development, can focus on increasing their kind of business development and really captivating their potential while allowing us to absorb things that are more logistical like delivery and warehousing, focusing on marketing, getting them kind of more out there into the community, increasing their accessibility. So we're hoping that we can move good goods more into a tech platform versus just an e-commerce platform. And that's what we're working on right now, being able to integrate more into the vendor side of things. Yeah, having vendors have a bit more autonomy over what products you see online, inventory, things like that, while we really focus on logistics for them so they can, you know, do what they do best. Yeah, I'm hoping our our platform can kind of integrate into their existing status, whatever that is, and maintain the character of their brand without compromising their momentum. That was Ega Vida Plita from Good Goods Co. Both Ruth and Good Goods Co. offer a small glimpse at some of the innovative small businesses based in Edmonton. I also work for a small business, Taproot Edmonton, a publication that seeks to help our community understand itself better. So there's lots of us, and I hope that as the economy continues to come back, it will create an even brighter and more vibrant environment for small businesses in our city. Thanks for listening, and until next time, I'm Emily Rendell-Watson. Thanks very much to Emily Rendell-Watson for bringing us that story. And a big thanks to Jeffrey Sundquist, Anka Chen, and Ega Vitaplita for sharing their experiences with us. Our vital topic, Small Business and Employment in Edmonton, shares more statistics about the landscape of small businesses in Edmonton. It will be released September 1st, and you can find it in our show notes. We also have links so you can find out more about the Edmonton Chamber of Commerce and about the businesses and owners we heard from on this episode. And if you're a small business owner with an eye towards benefiting the community and sustainability, you should check out Social Enterprise Fund. Oh yeah, they're a great resource. They invest in Alberta's social enterprises and entrepreneurs by providing the patient and imaginative capital they need to accomplish their public benefit missions. And we'll have a link to the Social Enterprise Fund in our show notes. Check them out. You can also see which businesses they've already invested in. We're still sharing updates about how Edmonton Community Foundation's Rapid Response Fund continues to support Edmontonians. So we'll have a link to our blog and about how you can get involved. And don't forget to look at our upcoming student awards and granting deadlines. There may be funding opportunities for you. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. Thanks for sharing your time with us. We hope you enjoyed it. If you like what you heard, be sure to share it with everyone you know. And please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Those reviews help new listeners find our show. If you'd like to share your thoughts or see some pictures from the show, head on over to our Facebook page. Thanks again for tuning in. We've been your hosts, Elizabeth Bonkink and Andrew Paul. Until, Until next, next time. time. The Well Endowed Podcast is produced by Edmonton Community Foundation and is an affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network. The show is edited by Lisa Pruden. You can visit our website at thewellendowedpodcast.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at the ECF. Our theme music is by Octavo Productions. And as always, don't forget to visit Edmonton Community Foundation at ecfoundation.org.
well endowed.